Testing one, two. Testing one, two. Testing one, two, three, and we are a go. Welcome to another episode of the Lonely Heart Sports Podcast, episode number three of 2022. We have a good amount to talk about on the episode today. We'll talk some football as we approach Championship Sunday. We'll talk some hockey in regards to uh, the shittiest team in the NHL, the Arizona Coyotes, or wherever the fuck they're going to play in the future. Um and we'll and I and we'll also talk about some baseball as well. Well, I'll rant about the lockout, I guess. But other than that, other than that, we really don't have much on tap for you today. We so let's just get right into it as we start with our usual weekly football talk. The greatest playoff weekend of all time happened last weekend, and now we are down to the final four as we get into Championship Sunday. We have the first game on Championship Sunday will be the AFC Championship between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs. And the second game, which is the NFC Championship, will be between two NFC West foes, the Los Angeles Rams and the home team, San Francisco 49ers. Um, uh, I can get in more into that as we go on there. A uh, little, little joke there, but... I will have you start off on this, good sir, mainly because I want your I just want your opinion on division weekend as a whole. I know you're probably still upset about the Bills loss. I'm sorry about that, buddy. Um I'm sorry about that. But I just want your thoughts on division weekend as a whole and then just, you know, some thoughts as to what you're looking forward to on championship Sunday. Um, so yeah, I mean, like you said, it was probably one of the best weekends for football ever. I mean, all the games came down to, to one score. Um, I mean, it was just all around great games. I know the Tennessee game and Cincinnati game started off. It was a very boring game. I mean, Joe Burrow Mm -hmm. didn't have any time in that pocket. Um, Ryan Tannehill couldn't get anything started for the, for the Titans there. So it was like, at first it was just kind of like a very, very defensive a very defensive game, and um, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, it was exciting. It ended up being 19-10, but Joe Burrow finds a way to get it done for for Cincy and taking them on now onto a ASC championship game where I don't think anyone at the beginning of the season expected this team to be where they're at. Nope, um, not me, that's for sure. Derrick Henry definitely didn't look like he was 100%. Um, that could also come down to how just how that Bengals defense played for them. How they, I mean, they got – two interceptions on uh, Tannehill. I mean, Tannehill didn't play a great game by any means. Um, I think if they – I definitely think if Tennessee has a quarterback like like of the stature of like a Joe Burrow or something, they probably do win that game just like based on the fact that Joe Burrow could literally fought, fought for his life against that Tennessee defense this game but found a way to get it done. Um, I was happy to see that because like me and you said all season, we do not think this team – um, we did not think this team deserved to be the one seed at all. And no. I'm, not, I'm not shocked that Tennessee um, pulled it off and won the game. It's just based on the fact that this this Tennessee offense was not 
very well. I mean, I, I get um, A.J. Brown had 142 receiving yards or something crazy like that. Um, but then again, Jamar Chase does what he does for him. And Joe Burrow, I mean, just – he's a kid's going to be a stud. He is going to oh. be uh, oh. up there in that Mahomes. I, I don't know if he'll be up in that conversation with Mahomes and Allen, but he is going to be a superstar in the league along with I think with he will, Herbert. but we can get into that later. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, some people might disagree with me, but I still do think just based on that fact of the game we saw then Sunday night with where this league is heading with the, who the next two best quarterbacks are. Oh, um, I mean, I mean, going back to the game first and I apologize if I cut you off there, but no, you're fine. We kind of called it actually with how the Cincinnati Tennessee game would go. If both teams showed up, if both the teams, if the, if the inconsistent versions of both teams showed up, it was going to be a shit show, and it turned out to be a shit show. Like uh, Ryan Tannehill, as you mentioned, not at not at his best, kind of like early Ryan Tannehill when he was in Miami, and the Bengals, like their inconsistencies showed. But the thing is, though, is that what baffles me is Tennessee had nine sacks against Burrow, and they still ended up losing the game. So. It comes to the point that the defense did its job, but their offense couldn't find a way to get the job done themselves. Whereas Cincinnati's defense, yeah, it's crazy. Like we're gonna say Cincinnati's de- Cincinnati's uh, Cincinnati's offense Cincinnati's offense was terrible because they gave up nine sacks. But the thing is, though, is they scored more point. They scored more points because their defense had two interceptions, including including the game changer in the uh, in, in the final minute of the game where Ryan Tannehill just decided to be a dumb fuck. Yeah, actually, it would have been yeah, actually would have been three interceptions that Tannehill threw then. Yeah. Yeah, t- yeah. So like I was, t- I was saying too. I apologize for that. Yeah. So Tannehill. So like the thing is though, is like both teams like were just very inconsistent through the day, throughout the day in, in that game, and we kind of called it. But the thing is though, is at the end of the game, Tennessee had a nine a.m. T- had a nine a.m. T time next uh, next morning. Cincinnati has a date uh, in Kansas City on Sunday at three at uh, three o'clock in the afternoon. And they make their first AFC championship for the first uh, since uh, nineteen eighty since uh, nineteen eighty eight, uh, when uh, which is only the third AFC championship appearance in their franchise history. Um, I mean, honestly, looking at that game, and then also looking at the game after that, uh, the Niners and Packers. Well, that game actually pissed me the fuck off, honestly, because not only did it prove us wrong, but it also affected my betting. Yeah, that game was a – did not expected how it went. I mean, Aaron Rodgers didn't look like he almost didn't want to be in this game. He kept forcing the ball to um, – he, he kept trying to force the ball to Devontae Adams all game where he had other receivers open. I mean, I get it. He has – the game wasn't going his way and he, the trust factor there that he has with Devontae Adams. So I get it. I mean, I know um, Aaron Jones was their leading receiver, but it just seemed like towards the end of the game, um, you could disagree with me if you want, but it just seemed like he was fo- just forcing things uh, Devontae Adams away. Whereas you have other receivers open and like, I'm you, not going to disagree with you there. Actually, they have good receivers. And so it's like, why just try to force, I get, he's probably the best receiver in the league. 
um, but just forcing that there the whole game. I mean, just this game was very boring game. And San Francisco did um, they only had three points going into the fourth quarter. Their special teams did what Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't do, and that was score a touchdown. And and everybody wants to play. So off of that, everybody wants to blame the Packers special teams for losing that game. When in reality, the Packers offense completely shit the bed. Like you said, Aaron Rodgers was forcing things one too many times. Alan Lazard and Mar- Alan Lazard and Alan Lazard was not targeted all that much. Marquez Valdez Scantling was not targeted all well. Actually, I can't even remember if he was out or if he played. But if he even if he was even if he did play, he was a non-factor. Um, uh, him and uh, Alan Lazard a non-factor as well. I mean, the Packers' offense was just like complete shit. Like I thought I was watching, I thought I was watching the Packers offense with Jordan Love out there as quarterback when they played Kansas city a few weeks ago. That's how bad the offense was. And I don't know if I give the credit to the San Francisco for playing great defense, or I don't know if we just call this Packers team an all time choke job based on what they have, because we know what their weakness was. It was the special teams, but yet the special teams didn't cost them the game. Yeah, the yeah, people can say like, "Oh, it was a blocked punt that changed the game." No, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this: You have the MVP. You have one of the top five wide receivers in the league. You have a great rushing attack. You, you have, have one of the best defense in the league. You have one of the best defenses in the league. Which the, defense, put, the defense did play good. The defense played good. The offense shit the bed. They completely took a dump on the fuck. It's almost as if they just, they laid an egg. It's almost as if they just like walked to midfield, said, fuck it. They laid an egg, took a shit, said, fuck it. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah. And Uh, unfortunately now this was the year for the Packers, probably for the last Super Bowl run, because they are with, with the salary cap issues, they're going to have this offseason with how many free agents that they're going to, with how many guys are out of contract now, including, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. It's like Aaron Rodgers even said it in the press conference. He says, I don't want to come back to a team. Like I'm too old to come back to a team who's rebuilding now where he was wants to go and win. And unfortunately for Green Bay, this was their year to go do that. And they ended up, like you said, just shitting the bed and look like they didn't even want to be there. Exactly. I mean, kudos to the Niners. I mean, kudos to the Niners. I mean, Saturday's Saturday's winners, like I'm not going to say Saturday's winner. One Saturday winner was unexpected. Uh, Niners, Niners, even Niners fans, even Niners fans sh- uh, should be able to admit that they didn't think that they had enough of a chance to beat the Packers. Uh, so, uh, so Saturday's winners, I won't say like Cincinnati. I won't say like was an un- unexpected victory, but San Francisco, obviously, like nobody saw them going to the NFC Championship game. I mean, there's um, what, the, the, this team, though, with how their defense is and just their run game, is they are a matchup nightmare for any team they play, unfortunately. And I think this is kind of this this dark horse we're seeing. I believe we talked about it last week or two weeks ago before playoffs started. Like, this was the team no one wants to see because of how they can match up with other teams and the issues they can pose for other teams. And I, I do agree with you that the game wasn't on Green Bay special teams, but that has been Green Bay's kryptonite all season. Is and it, special teams, and that was the play to change the game exactly. Um, but 
Cincinnati and San Francisco are two of the teams that are playing on Championship Sunday, and then we'll take. So then came division. So then came division Sunday, divisional Sunday, where we saw probably two. We saw the craziest game of all. Uh, the craziest game in one of the craziest games in most recent memory, in the Bucks and the, and the Bucks and the Rams. But then after that, Chiefs, Bills, Bills and Chiefs said, hold my beer. Uh, we'll do you one better. So looking at the Rams game, I actually turned it off for a little bit because the they were up 27 to three at one point. At one point, I said, OK, there's no fucking way that the Bucks are coming back. I actually turned it back on when it was 27 to I. I actually turned it on when I saw the Rams first fumble when it went back like 25 yards and the Bucks ended rec- ended up recovering it. I'm like, what the fuck is happening here? Oh, you're talking about the snap over uh yeah, the snap over Stafford's head where he wasn't ready for it. I literally turned it on back on at that moment. I'm like, yeah. you know what? I'll check the game. Boom. Ball goes over his head. I'm like, what the fuck did I just see here? And you could see as soon as that happened though, you saw just all all of um the game unraveled. Yeah, just some momentum just completely flipped to Tampa Bay side. And, I mean, like we said last week, you can never – like when Tom Brady's on the field, you can't count him out of a game. And no. we almost saw another spectacular comeback like we saw when Brady uh, took the Patriots and brought them back against the Falcons. Um, But it's like that that's kind of like what I was picturing going through my head when this was happening. Everything it just seemed to be going – everything that needed – that Tampa Bay needed to happen for them did go uh, happen for them. But thankfully for Matt Stafford and the Rams, they ended up being able to hold out and get the win here. And um, not even hold out. They had the, they, they drove down the field. That Coop, that, that Stafford throw to Cooper cup to win them the game and put them in field goal position was just amazing. That was just bad defense. That was just bad defense by the bucks. And not only, and not only on that play, but when Cooper Cup scored his touchdown too, that was also bad defense on their on their end too. So that was two plays in the entire. That was two plays that Cooper Cup was able to break out of the Bucks uh, coverage and be wide open and be wide open like that, uh, to and be wide open like that for Stafford. And I mean, kudos to Matt Stafford finally getting the monkey off his back and being able to actually win a play. And being able to win a playoff game, being able to win a playoff game, and being able to take the team to the NFC championship. It will be the uh, Rams. Uh, it will be the Rams second uh, NFC championship appearance uh, in four, se- in f- four seasons in f- three, four years now, uh, back in 2018 was uh, the last time they made the NFC championship. Um, so yeah, no 18, 19, whatever the fuck you want to call it, I guess, because um, uh, whatever you want. Call- yeah, no 18, I guess I'm not, shit because um uh, well one it's for the season but it took place like the like in the next calendar year there but you know what i mean um so the rams have that uh nfc championship appearance coming up the game was crazy when leonard fournette actually scored uh to tie the game and to tie the game for the bucks i actually thought that the game was going to go to overtime i didn't think the rams were going to win the game no, no, I, I agree with you. I thought it was going to go to overtime as well because on their last drive, they didn't have any timeouts left, and they were asked to march. It had to be about 60 yards down the field and to get them in field goal range, 
and they ended up doing it. And I mean, like you said, that was this bad defense on Tampa's part to let Cooper Cup get that free. Um, and that's twice that, like, it, within a matter of probably eight minutes of each other that that happened. Exactly. Exactly. Like, like you it see was, Cooper Cup just break out two huge plays. And it's like, well, what, what, what just completely happened on the defense there? It's like, how did you let that happen twice? Like, all right, get burnt once, I get it, but then it happened at the end of the game. Like that, it's just huge. And like, if I do think if that game did go to overtime, I do think Tampa was going to win that game. Oh, Tampa definitely was going to win that game, and they would be hosting the NFC Championship. There was no doubt. There's no doubt that it was going to happen. And the thing is, though, is you not to play devil. I don't want to play devil. You know what? I will play devil's advocate here. Tampa Bay was probably going to go to the Super Bowl again, too, in my honest opinion. And Tom Brady probably would be trying to go for his eighth title. Because I do feel like that if the if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were going were able to win that game, they would have taken momentum into uh, in, in, they would have taken momentum into the game against the Niners, and then if they and if they were at, and I think they would have beaten the Niners and gone to the Super Bowl. The thing is though is now, oh, obviously that's not the case. Instead, we have the uh, NFC Championship matchup between the Rams and the Niners, and I've got a fun. I've got a little crazy story here for you. So after the Rams beat the Bucks and they started doing their ticket selling process uh, for the NFC championship, uh, the Rams made it, the Rams made it noted that anybody that buys a ticket uh, on Ticketmaster for the game has to be from the Los Angeles area. So they're practically like isolating. uh, They're pretty much like, isolating like everybody else from buying uh, tickets to the game because of what happened uh, in their week 18 matchup about with how the Niners practically took over SoFi stadium. But the thing is though, is that's, that was kind of expected because Northern California is huge. But the thing is though, is like 49ers fans can, you know, just get on, just get on Pacific coast highway and go from either Santa Clara or, uh, San Francisco and get down to Los Angeles. It's not that hard. No, I mean, and we saw this season as well. I think they released the numbers that they they had more Chargers fans at home games in that stadium than they did Rams towards the end of the season. Um, oh, I, yes. believe, I believe that that stat is correct. Um, don't quote me. I thought I saw it on Twitter, but I mean, you can't believe everything. That's insanity there if that is true there. But it gets crazier. So even though Ticketmaster had that policy set up by the Rams, the third-party sites don't have didn't have that part that uh, policy set up because they, they can't do it. They can't do that uh, on, on StubHub or SeatGeek or anything like that because they're third-party sellers. They don't have any affiliation with the team or uh, any teams or anything. So all the Niners fans have been gathering up the tickets, and once again, it actually looks like that there may be more Niners fans at a Rams home game than there will be Rams fans. Yeah, I, yeah, it's going to be – but, I mean, does that – 49ers fans, I always do feel, do travel well. well. I mean, they're called the San Francisco faithful for a reason. No, this is very true. I just find it completely hilarious that they're going to be – the Rams are going to be hosting in the NFC Championship game, and it's going to and it's, and it's have the feel of an away crowd. Like, yeah, well, but if the Rams do win this game, it will just be weird to have them host an NFC championship game at home. Then if they win, the Super Bowl is also in their home stadium. 
it'll be a new and it'll be a neutral. But that's technically a new. But that's technically, technically a neutral site. But I mean, so we got... can have like you can just have any random fans there. Who knows? Maybe the Cowboys will take it. Fans will take it over. Be like, yeah, our team's here. No, no, you're fucking not. Go home. <laughs> Your team will never be there. <laughs> no, they will never be there. <laughs> never. But um, uh, I again, I just find it hilarious. LA is not a football town, in my opinion. It really isn't. LA is a town. I think it's more for Lakers and Dodgers, and then a- everything after that is just second nature, and people don't care as much. I really don't even consider LA to be a baseball town anymore, to be honest, because over the years, Dodger Stadium really doesn't sell. Well, like, it's only when they're good. They've been good though. That's the crazy thing. In the summertime, like nobody goes to Dodgers games. I would say maybe like a third to half half a Dodger Stadium. Dodger Stadium is at maybe to a third or half capacity. I mean, I understand that the size of Dodger Stadium is like capacity-wise is outrageous because of how old it is. But the thing is though, is like if the, you you would really think that Dodger Stadium would actually care to sell out for uh for their team during their home games, especially in the summertime when there's nothing else like really going on. I mean, the Dodgers are the ticket in town during the summer. I mean, there's no football. Um, ba- uh, basketball ends in basketball ends in June, so the latest the Lakers would play is in June. I mean, right now they suck, so they may not get to. They may not even make it to the playoffs, but we'll see. Uh, they'll see what happens down the road. The Kings aren't playing because the Kings won't be playing because hockey ends in June too, and then there's no football until and then there's no football until September. So it's just crazy. So that's why I just think that I've I just think that uh, L.A. is a Lakers and Lakers only. Um, we're also forgetting about the Clippers, but who cares about them? But it's there a second thought in that town. Yeah, exactly. L.A. L.A.'s Lakers, and then that's practically it there. But in my opinion, I've they, they've just never been a football town for me. When the Rams and Chargers, like, well, well, when the Rams moved back to the Coliseum, when they moved back to LA, they weren't they weren't doing they weren't doing well with capacity, barely getting like half capacity because the Coliseum's like ninety thousand. And now that they've built SoFi, I mean, it looks like they sell out every time. But the thing is, though, is like, LA is a city where you have a good amount of obviously like it's a big metropolitan area but the nature and everything like i feel like if you're a tourist in los angeles and you just happen to be there on a sunday and if rams tickets aren't aren't terribly expensive i'd go to a rams game why not (laughs) yeah i mean they just seem like one of those teams where it's like like you were kind of saying they don't have an actual fan base it's like it's more like kind of how the Golden Knights were at first as well with um, in terms of hockey. When they moved, there was just more tourist people going there and wanting to take in that experience. Exactly. At least the Golden Knights, like right now, are starting to build up a fan base. It's just, I don't know. But, yeah, I, going back to that, I've actually – I couldn't I, – I really couldn't tell you like five Rams fans I know. It, 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 I, and I'm not trying to disrespect the franchise or anything, but the thing is, though, is like who – like. I've never seen anybody like support the Rams like it's or or the Chargers, to be honest. Those two teams, I'm just like, oh, if they if if any if somebody ever told me they were a Rams fan or even a Chargers fan, I would think that they're bullshitting me. Yeah, I I would get it. Like if maybe like I don't know if the people from St. Louis, if they still are, say they would be Rams fans or not, but I know they probably hate that 
they hate the, how the team moved away in the fashion that they did. Um, so you're probably right. It's like, I don't do it's people in LA don't, it's, it's more, they, they care about their celebrities more than they do. They care about YouTubers more than they do some of their sports teams. Let's put yeah. it that way. It's, it's, t- I mean, it's nice that you're in a big market. Yes. Yeah, so you always get like people who are like, you said tourists who will go to the games and stuff, but it's like, you don't have a diehard fan base. Like a lot of these like blue collar cities do with their teams. Exactly. Exactly. And speaking of blue collar cities, as I mentioned, there was one more game for division weekend. They said, hold my beer. Um, the craziest game, one of the, one of the greatest games in uh, the history of the national football league. One of the, the craziest final two minutes of a game I have ever seen in my life. And well, sorry, buddy. It ended for heartbreak and heartbreak for you. Um, Kansas City ended up coming out on top, and no. And if your girl and if anybody's girlfriend ever tells you that thirteen seconds is not long enough, tell them about Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, the, I, I, it's so it still hurts this game for me and how it ended. But it's like you, like you said, look at the last two minutes of the game. I mean, Josh Allen won this game twice for the Bills there. Patrick Mahomes won it twice for the Chiefs. So it's like, how do you get any better? I mean, the whole game, the game in a whole was great as well. I mean, we saw scoring in every single quarter. And then all of a sudden, just in the the last two minutes of the game and overtime included, we saw 25 points scored. Yeah. But it's like, but it's like why? I There's so many things you could unwrap from this game. And I don't want to go like on a tangent about it because, I mean, clearly we've seen it all over Twitter if you're from the Buffalo area all week. And everything but it's like this game just was a classic and it's the the best football game to my knowledge that i can remember is ever watching um nothing really in my mind competes with this as how everything just went down and it's just like all right there's still too much time on the clock for josh allen oh there's too much time for mahomes oh too much time for allen again it's like okay there's too much time for mahomes again and then nobody really thought that there was too much time for mahomes with 13 seconds i'm pretty sure most people thought the game was over I I unfortunately did, but only because I knew what Buffalo's defense was going to do because we've seen it before Prevent. and sit in this stupid prevent defense. And it's like, why? I mean, you've played them besides one Tyree kill, just breakaway, um, breakaway touchdowns. Like we didn't really see this defense get burnt too much. Yes, they were moving the ball down the field, but you can't sit in prevent defense when the team still has three timeouts left. No, exactly, exactly. And all right, I get it. If it, it was a thirteen seconds and they didn't have, they didn't have any timeouts. And okay, maybe then you sit back because just give up the first twenty yards, and they got to try to get up there and get one more playoff, or even get the ball down and then see what happens from there. But with three timeouts, you're essentially saying throw the ball wherever you want on this field right now because you're not, they're not focused on getting out of bounds at this point. It's no, like, they just need to get they just need to get yardage and well. And overtime, and both de- and o- and overtime, both defenses were gassed, and uh, well, the Chiefs just ended yeah. up winning the toss. Yeah, that's this, not- this game ended up coming down to whoever won the coin flip. Yeah, and that's another conversation that people can have for another day. As you mentioned, it's been all over Twitter and everything. People were unhappy about the over. I see people, like Bill fans, bitching as well about us, about us not keep. Um, so on the when we scored with 13 seconds left, us not kicking the ball out of the back of the end zone, it's like you look at in the same quarter, we saw a punt that got returned almost for a touchdown if it wasn't for Matt Hattick making the tackle. Exactly. 
exactly that's my issue people were like why didn't you keep it in place like well we could have got burnt on that as well and then so okay um so you run three seconds off the clock but if we get burnt they're even further up the field it's like you you kind of you got to pick your poison with that and so i like the play but i just don't like sitting in the prevent defense um overtime rules i always have thought should be changed in the nfl i think it should be let both teams at least get a chance to score then on the third drive if the team scores again it should be done um College, I love college football playoffs, but I think that'd be hard to implement in the NFL just because how good all these offenses are. So it's oh, yeah. a tough situation, but I would like to be able to see. So even say the Bills went down, they won the coin toss, they went down and won. I would still be saying the same thing. Is like you would have liked to see what Patrick Mahomes would have went out and do with this team. Yeah, exactly. Because and we've seen it all over Twitter as the week has gone on. Obviously, um, uh, you know. New, the same thing happened to the, the exact same thing happened to the Chiefs just in twenty uh, just a few years ago when they've lost to the Patriots sure, in uh, in overtime. Everybody was like, "Oh, we never got to see, we didn't get to see Patrick Mahomes go against the New England offense, like New England defense." I mean, and it's like, well, that dems the rules, sadly. Um, uh, but so the thing is, though, is like I felt for the Chiefs, but at the same time, it's like, well, dems the rules right now. People complained about um, uh, people complained about it back then, and uh. Well, more people complained about it back then because nobody wanted to see Brady in another Super Bowl. Let's be honest here. Um, uh, my thing is, is, and the thing is there is like the same thing happened in a way, not because that Mah- it was like, oh, here we go. Pat Mahomes to another AFC championship game. Everybody was so smitten with what Josh Allen had done, practically carrying the team on his back. And it's like, no, we never got the we're how come we're not gonna be able to see Allen try to score Allen try to capitalize and uh respond to uh what Mahomes did on the field. So I understand that there, but uh, it is the rules, like yes, the rules have been there. So it's like you, you should expect your defense to make a stop. Like, don't don't complain about it after it happened. The defense should have made a stop. McDermott yeah. also should have taken a timeout potentially just to give his defense just a break. Get, yeah. I mean, you let them go down the field with how many? How many plays did it even take? Eight, like eight plays? Not, not, not even eight plays. I think it took like seven or six or seven. Oh no, but, I got it right. It's, yeah, eight plays, seventy-five yards. It's like, how do you let someone go seventy-five yards in eight plays? It shouldn't be a thing. Yeah, exactly. So many thoughts to take away from the game as a whole. But the thing is, though, is like one thing that's clear and obvious out of this game is these are the best two quarterbacks in a long time for the NFL. Oh, 100%. This is the we talked about we talked about it before the mainstream people were talking about it. This is the next generation's Brady Man, um Brady Manning and the thing is though is like and I mentioned this and I put this out on my own uh after the game had ended on Sunday night and I said to myself like I said this on Twitter and I said this to myself and I'm pretty sure I talked to you about it like the next day um uh but if you throw in Joe Bur, if you throw in Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, like you've got this next generation's like Ben Roethlisberger and uh, Philip Rivers here. So when you really think about it, like these four quarterbacks, based on how they perform, like based in the based on how their teams perform, go head to head against each other and everything in the AFC for the next ten to fifteen years, they're going to be bad. Uh, they're going to be battling it out. Not well, only unfor- for- unfortunately, though, for Herbert, is he's stuck playing Mahomes twice a year in that division. 
and that's perfect and that's perfectly un- and that's and that's perfectly understandable there i mean that's a sad part but the thing is though is we've seen justin herbert be able to go toe to toe with patrick mahomes so i think that it could ha- i think that even though that's a that's a, even though that's the sad reality there there are seven there are seven playoff spots the Chargers have, based on based off their seven playoff spots, and just based on how good of a quarterback Justin Herbert is, based off of what we've seen these past couple of seasons, him, Burrow, Allen, and Mahomes, these four quarterbacks are the next generations: Brady, Manning, Rodgers, and not Rodgers, Roethlisberger, and Rivers. And football, at least in the AFC, is going to be. Good for the next ten to fifteen years. Like the future looks bright. Yeah, it's like, in good hand. I mean, especially I get Trevor Lawrence is still on a bad team, but I mean, I do think he is also going to be in these talks with the, if he if Dragways can put a team around him. I do think that this team will be able to. Um, you'll be Trevor Lawrence will be in this conversation. We still got we still got Lamar Jackson, who is a exciting quarterback he's clearly not the quarterback skills aren't there from what we've seen from these teams but i mean he's got the intangibles to get his team there. i mean we've seen it done before he has an mvp for a reason yes he's just he's just sadly injury prone right now and my and i'm afraid and my thing is i'm afraid that if the injuries continue to pile up lamar jackson's career in the national football league won't will be short-lived will be much more short-lived than what we want it to be as fans of football but as mentioned like the kids are all right. We're in good hands, at least in the AFC. In the NFC, though, that's a whole nother discussion for a whole nother day. I really, we don't need to go into that situation. Yeah, but I mean, I I do think though that you are going to see in these next. We I know we talked about this last week as well, but the next ten years is going to be either you're either going to have to be if you want to get to the Super Bowl, you're either going to have to beat uh, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes to get there. Exactly. That's exactly it. And here we are. We're starting. We're actually starting like right now. I mean, I mean, you look at I mean, you look at the just look at the stats for the game. Josh Allen had three hundred and twenty nine passing yards, four touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes, three seventy eight, three touchdowns. And both of them were the leading rushers on their team as well. Yeah, 447 total yards for Mahomes and 397 for uh, for 397 yards for Allen. I mean, it's insane. Like like what has happened. And as I mentioned there, and for all the like, idi- I want I want to say this too is for all the idiots that I see on Twitter and calling into the radio and stuff saying that McDerm that McDermott needs to be fired is you're an idiot. When what other coach has done what he has done with this team he has made been here 5 years now he's made it to the playoffs 4 times. There've been idi- I, I you know what fuck I'm not even like how idiotic do you have to be if you're a Bills fan to like not realize like we are blessed right now with what we have. And I'm very happy, though, that if Brian Dayball gets a job, they came out and said Josh Hallen has say in the next offensive coordinator. That is huge <laughs> for a quarterback um, who is still young and learning. Is He's going to get a say in the team, and it gives him confidence knowing the team trusts him. I know his contract <coughs> – excuse me <coughs> – that he got this past summer probably says that, but that's a huge set to be involved in a head coach or in, in a coordinator um, process to bring one in. Yeah. Well – Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. One minute you love them, the next minute they lose, and everybody loses their fucking shit. Although for the Bills, it's ten times worse than with every other, any other franchise for some reason, which is sad there. But going back into the conversation about the quarterbacks here for the future, we literally are seeing it like right now before our eyes. Like 
this was this out whoever won the game in my honest opinion was going to go to the Super Bowl but the thing is now is that now Patrick Mahomes is in his fourth straight AFC championship game but the thing is though is he's going up against another young quarterback and this is a team based on how Joe Burrow has played for the Cincinnati Bengals that looking ahead to Sunday's game I don't think it could be I don't think it'll be an easy matchup for the Chiefs especially with how they play especially with how those two teams went toe to toe against each other earlier in the regular season um not more more along the lines of not how Joe Burrow played but because of Jamar how Jamar Chase balled out yeah only issue that Cincinnati would run into is if their offensive line I know we've hit on this all season as well with this team that offensive line needs to protect Joe Burrow because this Kansas City defense when they're on they are good and oh. they have guys that can get to the quarterback, so that's going to cause a lot of issues, especially if Tyron Matthew is healthy for this game. You're not. Gonna, I know we saw Jamar Chase ball out in the first game of the season against the Chiefs, but it's like it's like you can't. You don't really want to throw that way. No, you really don't. Honestly, I mean, my thing is, is it's. I'm not going to say the game's going to be a shootout, honestly, but I, I, I see a more offensive game, in my honest opinion, just because, just because, like, we, we know what to expect from both teams at this point. Like, Kansas, like, we really do it. We really do know what to expect from both teams at this yeah. point. And, um, and if you're Cincy as well, you need, I mean, Jamar Chase just had a perfect game against the Chiefs last time he played. I mean, you can't. You know, it doesn't get much better than getting 266 yards and three touchdowns for your team. It doesn't get much better than that. No, it really doesn't. The Bengals just need somebody else to step up as well, whether it's Joe Mixon in the ground game, whether it's T. Higgins, whether it's Tyler Boyd, whether it's uh, C.J. Uzuma, um, whether whether it's the offensive line. Um, I know one per I, I know one person that'll be ready to uh, to do what to do what they need to do, and that'll be rookie kicker Evan McPherson. <laughs> rookie kicker Evan McPherson. The only thing is, though, is that we saw this. We we see this. In, uh, we saw this in the divisional round uh, with the matchup against the Bills. Uh, if you're going to beat the Chiefs based on how their offense has been, you need to trade seven for seven for the, uh, seven, them. Seven for seven. Yeah, you field goals be- are not going to win you this game at all against the Chiefs. Um, I mean that's been obvious for these past couple of years now. Ever since this team has been under Patrick Mahomes, it's like this team will just they can put up points at will. It seems like. I mean, we just saw with. 13 seconds left, yes, there's still discrepancies in what people think that should have happened, but guess what it happened? You give any other quarterback 13 seconds, it's like you expect the game to be over, but Patrick Mahomes can score that fast if he needs to. They're that lethal. I mean, Tyree, like Tyree Kill um, was kind of irrelevant in their first game against Cincy this year, but it's like you, you just – Tyree Kill breaks one big play on you. It's like your defense is in shambles just based on that fact. Exactly, exactly. Now my thing is is before uh, uh before we go into the NFC championship here talk about that a little bit more. Who do you think who do you think wins the game and goes to the Super Bowl for the AFC and why do you think that'll happen? Why do you think they will make it? Well, I know we said this last week, but I do think it's going to be Kansas City. Um we said last week whoever wins this game is going to the Super Bowl and I just think it's that these teams are too good. They have been in a situation um in AFC championship games now. Um what is it now? Four years in a row, they will be in AFC Championship game. Yeah, hosting too. Hosting, Four yeah. years in a row hosting. So it's like it doesn't get much better than that. And um, I just think this team has been there, done that. They know what needs to be done. Whereas this Cincy team, um, 
they need to learn to crawl before they learn to walk. Clearly, I know I say that a lot with the teams, but it's true. Um, you get these teams that are like seasoned in these games, and the lights are brighter now. And you got a quarterback I get who took in uh, Joe Burrow, who has been on the national championship stage and everything, but it's still a little different. A little bit there. My heart wants to take the Bengals. I really want the Bengals and Niners to meet in the Super Bowl. I would I like want... I would like that as well, but I'm I just unfortunately I... do think that this game will be Kansas City's game. No, this is going to be can this is Kansas City's game to lose, and I think the Chiefs will win the game. Don't get me wrong. I really don't want to see if I, I the Super Bowl man I really my heart says Niners my heart says Bengals Niners for the Super Bowl. But my head says Chiefs going into the NFC Championship here, taking taking a looking at the factors here about like, you know, the play of Matthew Stafford, the play of Cooper Cup, the Rams defense, the play of uh, the play of Debo Samuel, the play of J- Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers defense, 49ers special teams. Like, who do you think wins the NFC Championship and goes into the and who who goes to the Super Bowl to represent them? The 49ers. This team, I mean, people forget two years ago, this team was in a Super Bowl. It's basically the same exact team. And I do like that. I mean, this defense is one of the best um, in the NFL. Um, Jimmy G really won't. Jimmy G won't lose you a football game. They're play. He's pl- they're playing to win in spite. He's playing to win in spite of everybody that wants him gone from San Francisco for Trey Lance. Yeah, I mean Jimmy G. He's a guy who won't lose you games. Um, clearly like, he's not. He's not like. He's not a special quarterback, but he's a guy that will get you the job done for you. He's not going to have any really stupid turnovers. Um, I know clearly people can say, but he just threw. He just threw um, – he's thrown two interceptions in the postseason now. But it's like he's not that guy that's going to cost you a game just based on his arm strength. I mean, they got – they're so strong in their running game. I mean, you got Elijah Mitchell who has been on a tear. You got Debo Samuel who was just just like – RB1 just, wide receiver yeah, one. Army uh, one can do anything for you. And this defense is – this defense is going to give Matt Stafford problems. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think the Niners are going to win just based on the fact of their run game and their and how their defense has been. Also, it's been over three. It's been a little over three years now that since the Rams last beat the San Francisco 49ers. I really think that the Niners will continue that streak against them, um, just to make it seven straight wins against the Rams. I also think that the that I also think that the crowd factor is going to play in, into it again. I really do. I mean, it's going to be pre- it's not it's not going to be a typical Rams home game. I think I think it'll be treated more as a 49ers home game just because of how well they travel. Um and I know I always mention this. It's going to come down it's going to come down to coaching. Which of the two coaches will make will make a one which of the two coaches will make will make a play call that turns out to be a huge blunder for them. Nine well, times I, I, Shanahan, Shanahan has the advantage over over McVay. I think Shanahan is what four and no six, six and zero oh against McVay. Yeah, Shanahan has. One. Yeah, Shanahan has not. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan. Uh, since Kyle, Sh- yeah, Kyle Shanahan has not. I don't think Kyle Shanahan lost to McVay. Uh, as I mentioned, the Niners are six and zero oh against the Rams. I mean, they're on a six-game win streak against the Rams. 
They have not lost to the Rams since December 30th of 2018. Yeah, and the Rams had a blunder in the last week of the season as well. The, yeah, Rams, exactly. the Rams were still playing to win that game, and they cost themselves that game. They cost themselves that game, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I think that as much as as much as we shit on Kyle Shanahan because of how how, how of how he is as a coach sometimes, I really think that his I really think the play calling and execution of Shanahan uh, will be better than the play calling and execution of McVay. And I and it just comes down and I mean it just co- seems like against that coaching tree, Kyle Shanahan has the advantage over both those guys in McVay and in um and then, Lef- yeah, and he's gonna, like, he has the advantage yeah, he's over the be, for whatever reason. He's going to beat both of his former assistant, uh, uh, both of his uh, former uh, uh, coach teammates, I guess, because they were all assistant coaches in Washington. Yeah, and, and people forget, too, Shanahan was – people thought Shanahan wasn't going to have another job in the NFL because he got – basically was hired because of his dad, and when his dad got fired from Washington, he got fired as well. Yeah, and then everybody thought that he would never get a head coaching job because of what happened with Atlanta. Well, and the thing look, is, now look what he has done with this 49ers team. I mean, uh, up by ten won. in the Super Bowl, and he fucking bottled it. But that's another. Well, he was also again. playing. He was also playing against Patrick Mahomes. Up by ten in the Super Bowl, and you fucking blew it. But whatever, there. Um, I mean, it's, uh, it's not as bad as blowing a twenty-eight to three lead. Dan Quinn was the head coach, but Kyle Shanahan was the OC. Literally, run the ball, you fucks. But I, I, but it is what it is. There, that's five. That's almost. That's five years ago now. Um, uh, but I think the Niners win. I think we'll get a rematch of Super Bowl Fifty Four, and uh, we'll see what happens there. I guess. I, it's crazy. I, I think I do think it will because I do think that this 49ers team was going to be able to stack up very well against this Rams. I mean, we've seen it. Um, and I just think they have their number. Yeah, I agree with you there. I do agree with you there. I just I just find it crazy that who would have thought two years later, two years after the Chiefs ended up winning the Super Bowl, who would have thought that a re- who who would have thought that a potential rematch of a, a Super Bowl pro- like a, the Super Bowl two years ago would happen already? Well, people um, forget too. Last year, the 49ers team was very injured, and so they weren't as good as they should have been. Yes, exactly. The, last Niners, year, the 49ers just could not stay healthy. Exactly. Last season, that was the case there. Well, as mentioned, uh, we will just see like we can. We will just see what uh, practically happens there on championship. And then what's crazy. And then what's crazy for us is that we actually won't be talking football until like the week of the Super Bowl because I don't we give could a talk shit. about we could talk about Josh Allen snubbing the Pro Bowl. Ah, Pro Bowl, all, all Pro over Pro Bowl any day of the week, in my honest opinion. But that's I just agree. I just, I just think it's funny they try to give him a pity vote and he and he basically throws it back in his face and he's like, "I don't deserve a pity vote." But there is one more thing I do want to talk about in football. Um as to where I think one quarterback will end up next year who was that, who was playing in the divisional round and in Aaron Rodgers. Oh, he's going to Pittsburgh, I, in my honest opinion, oh, no. or Denver. I, I, I think based on the fact that uh, Nathaniel Hackett was just – he just got hired as um, the Broncos' new head coach, I think Rodgers will go there. You think Adams will follow suit and go to Denver? I do think Adams will go wherever Rodgers goes, to be completely honest. I mean – you have if he goes there, I mean, Denver has enough money. Denver is very good with their cap. 
right Denver's now. very good with their cap. They Denver have, actually is a quarterback away from actually doing something. Yeah, I mean, in the that playoffs. defense is. I get people will say it was because it was um, what's his face his defense, but um, oh, what was his name? Who was the old head coach that just got fired? Oh, um, uh, Vic Fangio. Yeah, Vic Fangio. People will say yes, it was his his defense because Vic Fangio. I do think will probably get a defensive coordinator job somewhere in the NFL. Yeah. Oh no, um, without a doubt, exactly. Like if say like if Leslie Frazier say he got a head coaching job, I would love the Bills to bring in Nick Fangio as a defensive coordinator. I think he's one of the best defensive minds in football. Oh, um, he is. But I don't this, think I don't think Leslie Frazier will get a head coaching job. In my honest opinion, That's I don't think so reason. either. I but, think I mean, that's just based off the past three years now. That's the only well, thing that I was also there. thinking as his terrible tenure as the Vikings head coach. I mean, it's the yeah. Vikings, but still, he. I mean, it's the Vikings, but still, he didn't do a, a great job uh, coaching them in my in my honest opinion. But that's a, that that is what it is there for that. I mean, you're not wrong. I was thinking about that too. I still think Pittsburgh could be a play here with the retirement of Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, I mean, both those teams do have. They have the defense that can get you to playoffs. And like you said, Denver is just a quarterback away from being a great team, but so is Pittsburgh. So, yeah, Pittsburgh. But I don't know if Aaron Rodgers wants to go into that division in Pittsburgh and have to play Lamar twice a year and play uh, Joe Burrow twice a year. You I really just, think – what about going into the AFC West and playing true, uh, Patrick right. Mahomes and Justin Herbert twice a year? That's true as well. I think – I, just think, I think both teams are – very, they're very viable options for Rodgers to end up in. He should go to New England. He should go to New. He should go to New England and play Josh Allen twice a year. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think New England. Should, I get what they did this year, but I still don't think they're. They no, I'm have, joking. They don't, they don't have the weapons that Aaron Rodgers would be. Looking I'm for. joking. That would just be detrimental to the development of Mac Jones. There, I just find. I just. I just think. I. I was just kind of being a shit house there. I'm off for that. No, you're not wrong. I mean, people in. I was listening to some uh, New York uh, sports media the last week, and they were talking about like they were asked a question like, "Would you rather have Rodgers over Mac Jones right now?" And a lot of people said yes. Well, well, but it will hurt his. Like you said, it will hurt his development. But I don't think. I don't think Mac Jones is the answer for New England either to get back to a Super Bowl. Well, this is very true. This is very, very true. But let those jabronis rot. Let those jabronis rot in Boston and Foxborough and everything. Um, uh, speaking of jabronis, well, actually, yeah, I guess we'll go into our next topic here. Speaking of jabronis, um, uh, the Arizona Coyotes or the wherever the hell they will be playing uh, uh, Coyotes. Pretty much continued to be the laughing stock of the league. Um, it was announced today that I guess they're looking to use Arizona State's uh, facilities for the next, like, what, three to four years um, as they continue to find a new place to uh, have a new place to call home because of the continuing uh, debate between them and the city of Glen and the city of Glendale in regards to the arena. Am I right there? Is that exact? Is that exactly how this is playing out here? Yeah, basically they're going to a stadium that has about five thousand seats. Um, but do the Coyotes even have five thousand fans? That, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, I'm this. If this did happen, it's not going to hurt them. I mean, their ticket sales aren't. I'm, I doubt they sell five thousand tickets a game. No, um, they, but this just does bring up the fact that possibly Matthews to Arizona, um, based on the fact that Matthews did say um he wanted to play college hockey in Arizona. 
Yeah, no, we have become an Austin Matthews uh, is becoming a Coyote uh, conspiracy theory podcast. I, now. I'm basing everything that I get off of this show off of uh, Paul Bissonnet whenever he talks about it. Uh, he, he is a very okay. much a believer that this could happen, and I just I like his passion for it. So I could, I mean, <laughs> Paul Bissonnet just wants to see the Coyotes actually become relevant because of how he played for them, and when he played for them, they were they were actually somewhat better than what they are now. I actually do think I do think if Paul Bissonnet wanted to go back and play for the Coyotes now, I think he would be better than most of those guys on that team. This is very, very true. Paul Bissonnette could probably do I mean, a lot I, better than anybody on the almost anybody on the current Coyotes squad. Um, uh, I just I mean the, the Coyotes are just a laughing stock of the NHL, and they're even a bigger laughing stock than the Sabers are. This is very true. This is very, very true. I mean, they've been having the ongoing debate uh, and debacle with the city of Glendale now for the past few months because of. Uh, back taxes and rent being owed and everything, which apparently somehow mysteriously got paid off. The city still doesn't want them to be there in the arena. The Coyotes are going to say, okay, we'll look to move then. And I guess the, and I guess the rumor mill has been circulating about whether or not they'll either stay in Arizona. If they stay in Arizona, will they stay in Glendale? Will they go to Phoenix? Or if they leave Arizona, where will they move to? Will they move to, will they move, will they move down to Texas? Will they move to Quebec? Will they move to, uh, Will where will they move? Some will they stay out west, but move into a different state out west? Will the franchise move? Uh, will the franchise move to uh, somewhere else in Canada? Nobody really knows what the hell's going on here in this complete shit show of a situation. I've heard a lot of talk about Flagstaff. Really? Yeah. Flagstaff. Interesting. That's what, what I have heard. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I mean, I mean, it I is really... more Flagstaff is more of a. I would probably consider it more. I get it's still in Arizona, but at least you get some snow up there. This is very true. This make is it, very make it more true. hockey friendly for people because I know every time like people do think hockey like cities, you think in the cold cities. So, I mean, this is very very true. I mean, hockey. I, I, I'm gonna be completely honest here. I I've always felt that hockey out. And this is gonna sound terrible, and I really don't care at this point. Uh, but I always have felt hockey out west has been a joke, in my honest opinion. Oh, I 100 percent agree. I mean, I don't care that the Canes have won two Stanley Cups. I mean, kudos to them. But ho- other than that, like, Hockey Out West has been, like, nobody really cares. About, nobody, like, really, really cares about it. I Not mean, up until this year with uh, Zegras and his Ducks, what he's doing. With, I mean, he's just bringing ice to the game. And the Ducks right now are in second place in the in the Pacific. He scored, uh, he scored a Michigan he scored today, a Michigan actually. Play, and uh, he scored two goals tonight. Actually, he had a nice, a nice snipe as well. Yeah, I mean... Um, uh, I mean, the thing is, though, is we mentioned the King, we mentioned the Kings. The Kings aren't actually playing bad right now. Quinn Byfield uh, actually just scored his first goal of his uh, career actually tonight against the Isles. Yeah, they're they're the Kings are also in they're in sec they're in third place in the Pacific. So it's like right now both of those Western teams are sitting in playoffs. But I do get where you're coming from with hockey. It seems like out west is a joke. And same thing, like people thought about Florida for a long time and Carolina. I get Florida has. I get all three of those cities. Like you got Tampa and Florida who are top in the Atlantic. And then you got the hurricanes who are top in the metropolitan. And people thought these teams were jokes for a while, just based on the fact that they couldn't get asses in seats. Well, I mean, Florida is the best floor. The Florida Panthers are, pra- are practically running away with everything right now, being one of the best teams in hockey. And they still can't get asses in seats, which is pretty, which is kind of embarrassing actually. Um, uh, where, uh, they're, I mean, they're not, they're not at poverty level asses and seats like the Coyotes are, but still, I mean, 
it's just it is kind of embarrassing. It, it it is in my honest opinion. But with the whole Coyotes debacle and situation, I mean, my thought process is I always thought I I, I don't know. I always feel like the nostalgia of you know bringing back the Quebec Nordique or the Quebec Nordique. But the thing is though is like I really can't see them going back to. I can't see another NHL team going into Quebec, especially. Uh, with how the money situation in Quebec is, and also with working with the Quebec, and also working with the Quebec provincial government to bring a second team in, and then also would they, whoever would the ownership group want to compete with the Canadians as well? So like I could like I don't know. Maybe it's time I stop. Maybe it's time I give up on hoping that the uh, the uh, Quebec Nordique will be revived or revitalized or whatever. Yeah, there isn't unfortunately not enough money in. In Quebec, to have two hockey teams there, and Montreal is their their babies up there. So unfortunately, I don't. The only time we're ever gonna get the Quebec Nordiques is if you go buy NHL 22 and you uh, make you make another team up there. Hey, I was doing that in NHL 21 actually. I, uh, I, I actually did. I I uh so I started one um in NHL 22 career mode. I didn't make it the Quebec Nordiques, so I made it the Quebec Magic Men. The Quebec we got Magic the old, Men. Yeah, we got the old um made us with the old uh. King's colors got the purple and gold. Oh, I like it. I like it. I mean, my thing is, I didn't get twenty two because I have not played. I have not played video games in in a while. I can't remember the last time I got my console. But when I bought twenty one, uh, when I bought twenty one last year, that was the first thing I. Well, first thing I did was career mode with the Sabers, and I'm just like, you know what? We'll see what I can. <laughs> we'll see what I can do with this team. And then I'm just like, you know what, this is, I, I'm like, you know what, no, this is too frustrating. Forget this. We'll, we'll bring, we'll, we'll bring back the Nordique. We'll do it. We'll, we'll run it back. We'll do what, we'll do what the old Nordique can never do. Win the Stanley Cup. Although, and not trade our, and not trade our number one pick uh, away from us because he didn't want to play for us. <laughs> Eric Lindros. <laughs> fucking scum fuck but um uh it is what it, it is what it is there um uh, i wasn't alive when that happened but um uh i know about it um but i shit hey i you know hey go hey if uh the coyotes decide to play at arizona state for five for three to four years while they try to build an arena or whatever hey i'm off if they'll have a better chance of selling that out than they do their current arena and as we mentioned, like Austin Matthews, future future Arizona Coyote, always wanted to play college hockey, always wanted to go to Arizona State. Now he has his chance. He can play. He can play at Arizona State for for his hometown, Arizona Coyotes. You better better off. I mean, I know the Leafs are kind of up but on a tear recently, but I mean, wait, wait till we get to playoffs with that team. <laughs> wait till you it's, experience. It's, it's just, yeah, it's just wait till wait till uh, free agency when you're gonna be spending um when you're gonna be making one year five hundred thousand dollar deals with a bunch of career minor leaguers for your third and fourth lines and also gonna, your second gonna, and third line the, defense. You're gonna have to give them the Sabers contracts, the one year seven fifty. Yeah, yeah, for career minor leaguers for your third and fourth liners and also your third line defense potentially. <laughs> yeah, Arizona might as well just pull out the bl- they might as well just pull out the checkbook now. Be like Austin, come home. You're we will welcome you with open arms. M- money talks. Money talks. Yeah, Coyotes have none though. <laughs> they they need to give they would need to give away the rights to use Arizona State to uh Toronto to get Austin Matthews. Why don't we just make a GoFundMe to get Matthews to Arizona? You know why has Paul Bissonnette not started that? 
uh, I don't. Would that even be legal? Let's be honest. <laughs> use the use the sales from Pink, use the sales from Pink Whitney. Come on now. They, they could probably get Matthews there with the sales from those. Exactly, exactly, and it probably is illegal, but it, you know, it doesn't hurt to try. Right? Who cares? I would like to see it. I mean, I don't <laughs> want to see him in Toronto anymore. I mean, the kids are starting. He doesn't deserve to be on a team who's going to lose first round every year. Yes, so we'll just send to him. Yeah, can't lose in the first round if you don't make it to the first round, right? This is very true as well. But I, I do enjoy, I do enjoy seeing Maple Leafs fans get all hard whenever they make the playoffs, and then they're going to end up playing the Bruins again and getting eliminated the first round. Exactly, exactly. Austin Matthews, go to the Arizona Coyotes. We're here for it. We support it. Um, uh, speed, um, but. I mean that's that's practically it there um uh, for in regards to Arizona, but I do know that you potentially want to talk about your Oilers again because of the move that they had just made uh, today in regards to signing Evander Kane for the rest of the season. I mean these people just might as well they probably just listen to the podcast is like that's actually a great idea. I mean yeah Evander Kane coming back now um. How many game suspensions does he have to face once he gets back? Are, are I think we, it's a 22-game suspension. That's what I thought. So, so they're making a move right now. They're hoping, from how it sounds, is they're hoping to get back in the playoff spot And because you think 20 games from now, we're probably looking at around seeing Evander Kane March, maybe maybe end of February, depending on how – I because I know all the teams, um, they've just got games rescheduled and stuff, and – However, this will line up, but I mean, it'll be good for them to get another goal scoring threat other than other than what they have right now with Nugent Hopkins, Dry Settle and McDavid because they have nothing. So it's like you bring in another a guy who will, you know, will score goals. I mean, even last year going through everything was the Sharks leading point getter. So it doesn't hurt to try it. I mean, your team, you didn't want to fire the coach. Okay. This is I still say they should fire Dave Tippett. They should also fire Ken Holland for the lack of, uh, acknowledging that your goaltenders are fucking terrible. Oh, no, I, I agree with you as well. And But, I mean, I don't think they want to go that route, clearly, from the looks of it. So I do think this is probably the best move for them, just bring in another goal scorer, toss him on the second line, and it's definitely a little better than what has happened prior. With hey. you just basically hoping McDavid, like he did against tonight, just go end-to-end and score five goals a game for you. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it right there. I mean – their, their plan is, all right, if you're going to concede four, let's try and score five, which I mean isn't a terrible plan, but the thing is, though, it's not going to work. It's not going to work all the time. But in the in, in their in their division, in the Western Conference, I mean, all they really need to do is just get into a wild card spot. And I know that they 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 finally ended their skid and they've won, and they won two in a row, which is good for them there. But the thing is, though, is like, can they keep up the momentum and go from? Can they keep up the momentum that they have from that little winning streak right there and carry it into the end of the month and also into the beginning of February as well? That's another story that will be told there. I mean, obviously, the obviously the uh, signing of Evander Kane comes with mixed reviews. Reviews that I don't really we we already discussed and everything, given his off the field antics, uh, off the ice antics and uh, issues, obviously, but. As mentioned on the ice, he won't be a me- he's a member of the team, but he won't be playing for them for at least twenty to twenty five games because of that lengthy suspension he has. So we're still going to see the Oilers as who they are without Evander Kane up until the end of February, potentially maybe early March, depending on uh, the length of suspension. So 
it's just a matter of like when he starts playing for them, how different the team will look in regards to how they currently look right now. I mean, they have, like I said, they have been winning a couple of games now and doing what they need to do. And like I said, they are still, they're still eight games behind the Ducks and they're only, they're still only eight games behind the Ducks and they're realistically probably they're only 10 points away from that. So you say you go win five out of your eight, you're right back up there. Exactly. I mean, they do need some help because of how the Ducks have been performing as of late and even how the Ducks have been. It will be easy to get back in there because you look at the Kings as well. You look at the Kings and the Knights, whereas they are only, um, Oilers are still six games behind them as well. And you're not that far out on points if you realistically look at it for how many games they are behind. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it there because they still have a lot of games to make moments that they've had. So they re- so in reality they have all those games in hand over the rest of their teams the rest of the teams in the division. So I understand exactly where you're coming from there. They they honestly could find themselves back in the hunt back in the hunt for the playoffs if they just win a few games here and there when they make those up. Uh so it's definitely not it's definitely not an issue for them. Uh as mentioned, it's just going to be interesting to see how uh, Evander Kane comes into the team and sees and, and be able to see like what he can contribute to because it's been it's going to be a long it's going to be a while since he last touched the, since he last like actually played for a team. Given yes, like everything, thankfully he'll be able to get in now to the locker room. Um, I don't know if he can practice with the team or I don't really know how the suspensions work, but he can at least get a company with the guys and hopefully make like hopefully get on their good side and be a good teammate in the locker room because I know that's an issue with him as well as like a lot of people like say he's not a huge he's not a good locker room guy but I mean he can go and change that narrative for himself right now exactly just just stay just stay out of the media uh, make yourself like don't do anything stupid that will hurt you and yeah no that's exactly it right there I mean the thing is though is like you know just you know just get acquainted with the guys you know, if you can, if you can practice with the team, so be it there. But then, uh, but, and then, you know, just attribute like, you know, getting, getting to accustomed with the system, uh, with the guys in practice and just attribute it to the game and everything. Like when he finally can actually play for the Oilers and then just go from there. But as we keep mentioning the seasons, a lo- seasons, the season, there's still plenty of games left in the regular season. Oh, I yeah. mean, we're in January and we're only January, halfway through the season. Exactly. We haven't even gotten to the All-Star game yet. All-Star game's coming up. Uh, All-Star game's actually coming up uh, next, not this not this upcoming weekend, but next, the following weekend, actually. Yes. So, we'll see what happens. So, we, we've got, the Oilers have time. We'll see what happens there. Um, uh, I mean, but we're not, we're not going to hit the panic button yet. Although, I still think they should have fired uh, Dave Tippett because Tippett's a moron. But, whatever. They, they listened to us on one idea. So, We'll we'll give them that, right? At least they were a little bit smart. Exactly, exactly. Speaking of a little bit smart, I um going into our uh, going into the last major topic of the uh, podcast today, Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association decided to actually get smart and meet at the bargaining table over the past couple of days on Monday and Tuesday, and talks lasted longer than seven minutes. They actually had progress. For the past couple of days, for the past couple of days, Monday and Tuesday, they talked for over well over two hours, talking about the issues at hand in regards to the CBA and and in regards to the CBA, in regards to the arbitration process and free agency, 
and it was rumored that uh, both teams uh, didn't make were making some proposals, uh, made some revision. Both sides made some proposals, made some revisions to the proposals at hand on both sides, and talks talks were heated. But the thing is, though, is to- heated talks are better than no talks. And in my honest opinion, I mean. The fact that these talks lasted for at least for a combined four hours over the past couple of days, I'm just ex- I feel like we could potentially be coming close to the end of the lockout. Now I don't know the next time that the league and the players' association will meet at the bargaining table, uh, because I did not hear anything about that after their meeting on Tuesday, sadly. But I do think that. They should, in my honest opinion, they could potentially, in my honest opinion, I think that they could potentially meet potentially within the next week or two. And I'm also thinking that potentially we could, baseball, Major League Baseball could potentially be on time, start the season on time, actually, uh, depending on like when, depending on if and when this lockout ends. Um, if it ends, say maybe potentially sometime in February, they can finish up the arbitration period and free agency period and start up spring training, uh, as such, uh, because I, it, uh, because they do, I don't think teams plan on canceling any games. I don't think the league wants to cancel any games. I saw on Twitter a couple days ago that the Yankees were already starting to sell tickets for their opening homestand against the Red Sox. You said when you went down to Florida, you said that you were seeing like schedules for like spring training, uh, Minnesota, correct? Yes, yeah, yeah, I saw they had the Braves and the Ori- Orioles, uh, schedules out for spring training and stuff, so and it's and and it looked like that they were starting to slated to start on time and fe- like when pitchers yeah. and catchers and uh, players report in February, correct? Yeah, everything everything seemed to be on time for that, and like it would be like a typical MLB season startup. So hopefully that's a good sign. I mean, yeah, these. So based off of that, and based off based off of what you saw down there in Sarasota, and then based off of what the Yankees are trying to do, selling tickets for the opening homestand, teams are preparing to start the season on time. So it makes me wonder what did it? It makes me wonder what the teams know that we don't. In my honest opinion, I really. Because of that, I really feel like we could be and nearing the end of the lockout very soon. It's just going to be that the process after the lockout, like how smooth or quick will everything be to get the season to start on time? Because opening days could be opening days like March 31st, April 1st. And we're going to be in February just in a few days, actually. So it would be so based on the calendar of how base based on the baseball calendar here, if the lockout were to say end next week, pitchers and catchers always report like right after the Super Bowl, kind of like right around that period of Valentine's Day. So, uh, so I would say maybe pitchers and catchers could report mid to late February. After that, um, the rest of the rest of the squad can report to uh, spring training around maybe a couple of days after that. But then the only thing that the only thing that I that would need to be figured out is. Uh, finishing up the arbitration process for their for the players that m- need to avoid that, and also just finishing up the free agency period before fr- spring training starts. Obviously, all that would need to be taken care of before pitchers, catchers, and the rest of the team can report to their sites either in Florida or in Arizona. But uh, I I don't know. I guess we'll just see what happens. I'm just glad that in progress compared to earlier in the month than even like last month when they weren't 
talking at all or we're only talking for seven minutes. So I guess we'll just see what happens as the days go on and uh, hopefully potentially the lockout ends um, sometime sometime in February. No, especially for I know you're a very like diehard baseball fan, so hopefully for you that the season can just get started normal and it's like none of this ever happened. Yeah, I need something to yell at, and I need something on TV to yell at in the summer. To be honest, I mean, if the, I mean, honestly, like if I'm not gonna go, if 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 I don't have plans or whatever, I mean, I'll just put the Yankees game on like at like during the day or at night or whatever. It'll give me something to yell at on TV. Um, uh, plus I can also do my, uh, I can also do my. Uh, I need my banter with Paiska on Facebook. I mean, like, I can't keep I, – I I need something to – I need the banter to continue. I can't recycle stuff about football and basketball with him in July and, and June, July, and August here when in reality it's like, no, Paiska, I just want to shit on your Red Sox because you're, you're – because they fucking suck and they're a bunch of jabronis. Uh, by the way, Paiska, fuck the Red Sox. Never going to win anything. Laka, um, uh, hope you're doing well though. Um, uh, there we go. We got the shout out in too. Um, but that that's another reason too. But I also also I just enjoy talking baseball. I really don't want to keep talking a, about a lockout for baseball. <laughs> don't really need to do that. Um, I do want to, you know, I do just want to go into one more thing about baseball, non lockout related. Um. The Baseball Hall of Fame induction announcement was made yesterday or yesterday, Monday, one to two days, and only one person got inducted off of the ballot. And I'm surprised Puska didn't talk about as much on Facebook. David Ortiz was the only one on the ballot to get inducted into the Hall of Fame, but David Ortiz will be inducted in the class of 2022 off of the ballot alongside seven other members of the alongside seven other people that were elected that were announced to be inducted off of the old timers committee back a few months ago so the official class of 2022 will be a class of eight and i feel like more people were mad that uh, barry bonds and roger clemens were not inducted than were happy that david ortiz got inducted my thing, is, my thing is this in regards to that. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens got accused of taking steroids. Roger Clemens had to testify in front of the government about taking steroids. So did Barry Bonds, actually. Yes, David Ortiz did test positive for steroids. But the thing is, though, is I understand like why people are upset about this, especially with all the accolades that Bonds has, being the all-time home run leader, hitting the most home runs in a single season, most MVPs, Roger Clemens with the with over four thousand strikeouts, over three hundred wins, the World Series champion. Um, I just think that the Hall actually needs to get its shit together, and instead of whining and complaining about the uh, steroid era, just in if they already in, they're they're already inducting somebody to test positive for steroids uh, right now, they just chose to. So why not put the other two in at some point when they when they uh, reach the when they get on the committees uh, when they get um, put on the committee's ballot in a couple of years to be talked about for induction again? Because without the you take away the steroid uh, steroid use by either one of those two, they're still Hall of Famers in my honest opinion, especially with the career that Bonds had in Pittsburgh 
And even before Clemens went to New York, the career he had in Toronto and Boston, like pre, a spectacular career with his three Cy Young, with with three Cy Youngs, uh, with three Cy Youngs that he won. Um, I, the Hall, I've been to the Baseball Hall of Fame four times, and they always talk about how they want to preserve the history of the game. They're not preserving the history of the game by refusing to induct two of the greatest players to have ever played the sport, whether or not they use performance-enhancing drugs or not. I think that they should induct two, they should induct them eventually, in my honest opinion, because of their contributions to the sport. But if you want to make a note that they use steroids, put it on their plaque. That's how you preserve the game. Mention their accolades, but also mention that they performed that they performed in the steroid era, especially when you have the commissioner who led baseball under, in the steroid era and was inducted just a few years ago too, and Bud Selig. But not, I don't. I, I'll get off my soapbox about that. I don't want to go into it anymore, mainly just because I don't need to open up a whole can of worms on this topic here. But. Do you have any thoughts on on anything I just mentioned there? No, like you said, I do think Bonds and Clement should both be inducted. Like you said, if you want to preserve the game, put it on their plaques. But those two both change the game in such different ways. They need to be on there. Oh, exactly, exactly. I will say this, though. Alex Rodriguez, I don't care that you have 696 home runs. I don't care that you have over 3,000 hits. You got suspended from the game not once but twice because of testing positive for steroids. You probably will never get it. And he's also, and I'm, and honestly, I'm, I never, I liked A-Rod at one point. I didn't like him. I didn't like him towards the end of his baseball career. I'm actually learning to, I'm actually liking him more now that, now that he's retired than he was as a baseball player. But I still don't think he should ever get in because of his, uh, because of his uh, suspensions that he had. And they were lengthy ones too. But on that note, that's enough soapbox moment for me for baseball. Um, Hopefully, and hopefully the lockout ends soon. Hopefully, the induction process gets changed um, in terms of uh, the election process and induction process for the Baseball Hall of Fame changes at some point. But do you have any other final thoughts before we conclude the pod, sir? No, I think that's all I have to say this week. I mean, like you said, kind of a boring week. We've got hockey and now NFL playoffs going on, so no. Yeah, no, I mean, this was a pretty short episode. Actually, probably one of the shortest we've had in a while. Um, but yeah, no, next week, next week's definitely going to, we're going next week. We're going to have to get creative. I mean, we won't have uh, NFL playoffs to talk about. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess we can talk, I guess we can talk some soccer, especially with the world cup qualifiers coming on, uh, that are happening, uh, for CONCACAF and, uh, common bowl, uh, with the international break, we can talk about the U S there, but other than that, I mean, like we'll have to get really creative next week in my opinion. Uh, but once again, uh, shout out to Paiska once again. Uh, do you have any final? Do you have any words for Paiska before I before I conclude, sir? Not this week. I'm tired. Just came back from traveling. I don't have the I don't have the energy right now to. You, you don't have anything. Paiska is done. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> we love you, Paiska. We love you. Um, uh, Jake's too tired to waste his breath on you, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but once again. That concludes another episode of the Lonely Heart Sports Podcast. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to your podcast. Download, subscribe, listen. Um, it's always a treat here. 
With that being said, until next week, everybody, keep on keeping on.